Oh, hey, so glad you could make it. Now you really made it. And, well, there's only us left now. It's on the PA. On it. I've talked a lot about idols. Uh, of course, I've had my seminal talks about Bowie uh, and my comedian, com- comedic influences. I don't know why I couldn't spit that out. But, uh, you know, when I think about my real, you know, influences, all of them were musicians. I was, I was and I still am a huge music lover. And, um, you know, I kind of break up my life into these sections of, you know, childhood, adolescence, young adulthood, and, you know, now being an elder twink and basically dead in the world of homosexual relationships, but I digress. Uh, What I'm going to talk about today is my real adolescent teenage band crush. Somebody who taught me that, you know, bleaching my hair blonde was empowering. Uh, That being a wallflower and being timid and shy would really only compound the bullying that I had and to step back and scream at them at the top of my lungs might just work. But also, add a little chaos and a little poetry and a whole lot of drama. Now luckily I didn't follow these letter to letter, but uh, it gave me a good primer into how to be somewhat of an outrageous performer. Um, So this is my podcast story uh, where I'm going to outline for you my one great story in life that is directly tied to my musical influence. And of course, if you saw the promo and you saw the title, it is no secret I am talking about Courtney Love and her band Hole. So this is on the PA's little tribute to Courtney Love, the rock goddess, the lady of Hole, the Hole lady, Courtney Love. I've had a few definitive moments in my life, and, uh, but the one that I still like to talk about and the one I still tell the story about is the one I'm going to tell you today. Everybody has these stories. You know, they're definitive stories. They're stories that shape the fabric of your life. Um, depending on what it is you like and what it is that has molded you, blah, 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 blah. But everyone, you know, we got a story like this. You crack them out at a party or something. But anyway, a lot of people have these stories, but they kind of vary in terms of their topics. You know, they're all different. So, for example, you could have a story like, I don't know, found a long-lost brother or sister, or they won the lottery, or uh, they witnessed a violent crime, or let's say they, you know, got a body part trapped in some sort of farm equipment, and now everyone doesn't have to ask, you know, what's with the peg leg. They can actually, you know, understand and and sympathize. Maybe you can pop your eye out for some reason, or maybe you have a, a weird allergy that no one else has. Something like that. Um, But when it comes to stories that really rivet people, usually the ones that they like the most are stories with celebrities, all right? Even though some people are like, you know, I don't follow celebrity culture. Bullshit. Everyone does. Um, And when you're a teenager and a very young adult, let's say around er, 19, 20, uh, this is still very much a a factor in your life, all right? You know, growing up, me and my 
my friends, my ride or dies, we were all really huge into music. And I mean a diverse swath of music. So we were always going to concerts and, you know, wanting to see our favorite bands live because really to, to understand music and to love music is to see it live. So I encourage everyone right now, go to a concert, not now, I mean, it's pandemic, but I mean, after the pandemic, go see whatever concert you really want to that never, you never have. All right. Cause again, you know, some of these artists, you know, they're getting older, you know, they won't be around forever, but go don't deprive yourself of that. Pay the exorbitant amount of money. I know it's ridiculous, but you, when you pay for experiences, you never regret it ever. Unlike material things, but I digress. Up until that point, my musical repertoire consisted of like Madonna, a tape called Super Ladies of the 80s, and the Phantom of the Opera soundtrack. Or as we call it, Gay Kid in the 80s. And I should really back up here because my first exposure to Courtney Love was I was sick home from school. And you know, when you're home and you're watching prices, right. You're like, dun, 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 dun. you're like, you're just so pumped. Um, I got bored of that. And again, I was playing VHS tapes. Cause I mean, this is, you know, this is how old I am. Um, and I remember I was watching much music, remember much music, like when they played videos, RIP, but I remember I, I, I was still, you know, a huge Madonna head. And I remember they were going to play, um, this band whole. And I was like, who names a band whole? Like it was, it just seemed at once so innocuous and obscene all at once. So I was, you know, a bit intrigued. And I saw the first image flash on the screen of this, you know, ghostly white woman in this bleach hair and this long silk, you know, diaphanous gown, smashing powder with a puff onto her face. And I thought, oh, this is that, you know, creature that married Kurt Cobain who had just recently committed suicide. And all I knew is that she dissed Madonna somewhere in a magazine. And I was like, ugh, I'm going to hate this. But I'll watch it because I'm going to hate watch. And who doesn't love that? And it was the video for Miss World. And I remember sitting on the couch watching the entire thing. And the minute I got to that hook of I made my bed, I'll lie in it. Like something just like switched in my body. I just remember feeling so drawn. And I was like bopping my head. Like, it was pop hooks with a, you know, searing saber-toothed tiger guitar. And it was like, this, this is it. This is what I'm into. Oh, my God. It clicked so hard. I basically wore a groove in that CD, and uh, I became a huge, huge, huge fan. I remember I was working at Made of the Mist Boat Tours. Remember those? They still exist. They're now called the Hornblower, which, by the way, is a sickening name for a boat. But I was working uh, in the on the boat, so I got to like ride the boat like ten times a day. It was a pretty sweet job. So I had a lot of free time because during the ride, I just sat in the deck or in the cabin and and did nothing. I just like you know, waved to the people and uh, disappointed them when they asked me, you know, where's the washroom? It's like you know, it's a, it's a fifteen minute ride. Like you know, can, can we all deal, please? And I remember I would listen to that over and over and over again, and uh, I never got sick of it. So four years, four long years later, there's rumor that they're releasing a new album, Celebrity Skin, and I remember it dropped. And in much the same way, I was sitting in my kitchen at my, my, you know, my childhood home, and the video for Celebrity Skin suddenly came on much music, and I remember I lost it. And I'm like 18 at the time, so it's not like even dignified. But uh, long story short, I was, you know, secondly captivated by this album. It was so different. It was like, you know, Fleetwood Mac met 
you know, ACDC. And I, I just love it, especially the title track. That riff just crunches so hard. I love it. So let me get to the story. You're probably like, okay, this is a lot of like whole trivia and, you know, this is not why we're here. Um, but it's my podcast, so I can do it where I want. So, but anyway, I'm just, I'm trying to build, you know, up like sort of like a building's Roman. You know, I'm trying to give you like the whole backstory of, of why I'm, I'm, I'm the way I am. So let me bring you up to the actual effing story. It is the summer of 99. We are slinking towards the millennium and, you know, tensions are rising high. It's Y2K. Are the computers going to eat us? Are planes going to fall out of the sky? You know, what's going to happen? How are we going to, you know, ever get used to writing two zero instead of one nine for the date? You know, it's just, it's madness. The world's in chaos. But I remember that summer, uh, you know, celebrity skin was basically on high rotation and lo and behold, hole was coming. Now at the time, Driving all the way to somewhere like Barrie seemed like an impossible mission. And if you don't know where Barrie is, you're not alone. Uh, picture, okay, you're going to go to Toronto and you're going to keep going north. And I mean far, like another hour. It's way up in the boons. And uh, I'm never going to be able to make it on time. But meanwhile, I'm so stupid. I only work till like 2.30 in the afternoon. And like Lord knows they're the headlining band. They're not going to go on till like nighttime. So I was in university and, you know, I was – still a closeted person and I was just sort of on the the cusp of coming out like I was trying to find my way but I just felt like so scared and so you know overwhelmed by everything and I I was just sort of burying myself in my studies at Brock and not really you know thinking about anything else but this came along I remember I had a one gay friend who I met in university and he was really sort of integral uh to me you know being okay with who I was and that's my friend Bill I don't know if you're listening to this Bill Maybe you are, but we used to call him Big Gay Bill because he was big and he was gay and his name was Bill. So, you know, that was a creative nickname, but that's what we called him. And he was a hardcore, like diehard Courtney Love and whole fan. And he said like, oh my God, like we're not going. Are you kidding me? We're, we're so going to this. I'm not trying to be stereotypical. That is literally how he talked. I, I wish him well. I wonder what he's doing now. I should look him up on Facebook or something. You know what I mean? Something that us old people look at. Anyway. So it was decided we're going to go to the show. So after the, uh, a very pretty stress-free day at my job on Made Old and Mist, we jumped in a car, me, my twin brother, and my friend Bill, and we were driving all the way up to Barrie in the afternoon. Now, this is around 4 or 5 o'clock, and as we are approaching you know, the GTA, I'm reading a magazine that features the band, and I'm just sort of living my best life, not even believing that I'm actually going to see my favorite band. Like, it's not even hitting me. It, it, it's surreal. And like one of the lyrics on one of Courtney Love's soul albums, here comes the rain. Um, we get to Barry, and I mean, when I say rain, I'm talking rain. Like, horizontal, batten down the hatches, hurricane rain. Like, you know, you're going to see a cow twisting up in the sky and, you know, possibly an old woman on a rocking chair. Like like that scene in The Wizard of Oz, if you can imagine. Um so I never, this is before we all had cell phones and stuff. So I didn't even know how we were going to find these guys. We're at Molson Park, which doesn't even exist anymore. There's like 20,000 people there and it is raining again, like sideways. And we're soaked. We're, we're in ponchos, but I mean, they did nothing. And somehow by some miracle, we actually found my friend Lori and she had twisted her ankle and like everyone was just wet. They've been there all day and they were just like, you know, soggy at this point. 
And I remember I was walking through the crowd. And I remember I went, oh, my God, Rick the Temp. Because Rick Campanelli, who's now like E.T. Canada, used to be Rick the Temp. And I still call him that because that's how I first that's how I first was introduced to him. And I just noticed as I walked by, there was these lights and you could see a camera. And there was like little Rick Campanelli broadcasting from Edgefest. And he was short. I remember that. But he was he had really like piercing blue eyes. I remember that. And I thought, you know, yeah, I'd do him. Um, but anyway. So we get to this big, you know, the big pavilion where the stage is, and it's just this immense bowl of grass, and there's nothing in Molson Park. It's just, like, sporadic trees, a few vendors, and now just, you know, the, the winds from Tartarus. Like, it is just unbelievable weather. Now, this is very important because um, back in the day, if you went to Brock or any university, you could find, like, a whole bunch of bootleg CDs and VHS recordings of concerts. That's what people did. They would just bootleg shows. they just rip them off, right? Um, now with, you know, cell phones and YouTube and everything, nobody, you know, no one gives a shit anymore. Everybody's basically ripping off the show. They can't stop it anymore. But because of this hurricane rain and because of this miserable weather, I, I'm pretty sure all of the bootleggers probably packed up. Because, I mean, this is when you still had camcorders. Your equipment would be completely ruined in this kind of just, like, deluge rain. So anyway... Um, we managed to weed our way into the crowd and thinking maybe if I'm around other like people, maybe they'll block the rain or whatever, but I was still bound and determined to see hole. I was really, really nervous. They're going to cancel it. Cause I thought, oh my God, we came all the way here and my, you know, my fandom is at its like complete peak. So please God, don't let this be canceled. Anyway, the rain did stop the band moist, which is again, one of the most hated words in the English language, but they named their band moist. They were a Canadian band. They came on right, right uh, before hole and the rain stopped. And they did a pretty decent set, but I didn't care. I, the whole time I was thinking, where is Hole? Where is Courtney? I don't, I don't care about this band. Sorry, Moist. I just didn't. And um, so, again, this is around nine-ish, let's say. It's completely pitch black dark. And the lights go down. And, you know, my heart starts beating really fast. And I just thought, this is unreal. Like, I can't believe, you know, I've seen a lot of shows at this point, but I couldn't believe I was seeing, you know, like, a band that I was so crazy about for so many years now. It's been almost four or five years. Um, and they played that interlude from uh, um, Credit in the Straight World. There you go. It's actually a cover, but whatever. So they played this, you know, in this intro music and, you know, my heart starts beating out of my chest. And all of a sudden I just saw this orange point of light, which was the end of a cigarette, a lit cigarette. And behind it was this flash of blonde hair and this wall of pink glitter. And it was Courtney Love. And I remember she had a cigarette in her mouth and the lights came up and she was in this ripped pink sequined evening gown. It was stunning. And I mean, she looked absolutely radiant. She had these big like pink fairy wings and she threw the cigarette out of her mouth and she went right into Violet, which is probably one of my favorite songs. To add a little pepper to this story, what you're about to hear is uh, an actual recording from the show I was at. And despite the hurricane rain, much music caught the first two numbers. So this is an actual recording from Molson Park and Barry in 99 uh, when Hole first took the stage. So take a listen. So I'm leaving my body at this point, and I just remember the sound of her voice 
because she hit the one it was like the third line in the song and she said i want again but violent more violent and she screamed which of course is what she's known for and it echoed all around this pavilion like as loud like it rattled your whole rib cage and i remember i just thought oh my god like i'm i'm in nirvana like the plane of spiritual bliss not the band that would be inappropriate and weird yeah like i'm making all these i don't know Freudian slips today anyway i'm freaking the fuck out and the concert was unreal so i'm i'm a happy camper at this point so you're probably thinking is this like a concert story is this really all it is no nay nay no no um I go through a lot of emotions during the show. You know, I'm with all my best friends. I waited so long to see them. And, uh, you know, at the point I was at, I was, you know, barely 20 years old. I was at a real emotional breaking point in my life, you know, because I hadn't, I was on the cusp of, again, you know, coming out as a gay person, but I just couldn't, I couldn't do it. I just didn't really feel like it would matter. Because at the point, I didn't really feel like I mattered. I I felt like, you know, I'm just going to be this, secondary character the rest of my life but you know seeing someone burn as bright as you know Courtney Love and you know she was just you know it it was one of the greatest shows I've ever seen um I was just you know in in this happy place and I thought you know I I wish I could just capture this um so what is the actual story okay so here's the actual story um we get to their encore and uh they do a a slow song off of uh their new album and I just at this point, like, I, I, I just wanted her to see me. Um, and on a whim, I asked Big Gay Bill, who's big and gay, and my brother, you know, could you, like, hoist me up on your shoulders? I just want her to see me. You know, like, you know those, like, extra girls at a concert who are, like, you know, showing their boobs and stuff or, you know, you see that a lot in movies, but no one actually does it because everyone just throws cups at her and tells her to get the hell down and, you know, you're blocking my view. Well, I was that guy, all right? It's a ballad. Nobody's rocking out. I was safe. Uh, and I wasn't really blocking anyone's view, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's open air. Everyone just relaxed. So she ends the song. Now, I forgot to mention one little detail before I continue. Hole is famous for bringing usually girls, but boys too, out of... Uh, the mosh pit and sitting them on the stage. So if they see that somebody's getting, you know, kind of tossed around or they just have a lot of charisma, they'll just ask your guard to pull them up. So at this point, there's like 19 people on the stage, maybe. Um, and I was like, so wanting to be one of these people, you know what I mean? And I thought it's never going to happen. So I was going to compromise and just go, okay, you know, I'm going to wave. I'm going to let her at least see me, this figure in the dark and maybe, you know, for one second of her existence, she'll, you know, acknowledge my, my life. Uh, the, the song ends and she looks literally directly out into the crowd and looks literally directly at me. And she points at me and says, you, the blonde boy, come here. Now, at this point, I'm thinking... I've died of hypothermia somewhere in the day, probably during the hurricane rain or like Dorothy, I got hit in the head with like a piece of house and now I'm just, you know, dreaming or I'm in, you know, I'm in Oz, but it's my Oz, you know, full of concert goers, drugs and, you know, Courtney Love. And I remember my heart literally feeling like it stopped because I couldn't believe like I had wanted her to say that. Well, I thought she'd call me by name, but, you know, she doesn't know my name. And the fact that she's now looking at me, and again, we're not that far away, but anyway, far enough. 
everything just stopped. Everything just went still. And I was like, this, this is not happening. This is not happening. I was quickly brought back to reality by both my brother and my friend Bill throwing me off their shoulders and my brother screaming, go, go, and pushing me <laughs> with both hands, I might add, on my back, pushing me forward to run towards the stage because at this point, she's literally calling me, you, the blonde boy, come here. And she has a security guard looking for me. So I'm like a few feet out and the stage where she was right in front of her was just now a crush of people. People screaming, girls losing their shit. You know what I mean? And I'm just hooking riot girls by the neck. I'm pushing people over because it's like, oh, no, no. My time. This is about me. And I, I was a tall person. I still am 5'11". You know, I'm tall-ish. So I thought, he has to see me. He has to see me. So he takes his flashlight and he's scanning the crowd. Everybody's screaming. Everyone wants it to be them, but it's me. And I kept screaming, it's me. It's me. Like an idiot, like anyone's going to hear me over the din. My heart sinks as the security guard turns off his flashlight as if to kind of say, yeah, no, nah, I'm not really in the mood to do this. I'm not getting paid enough. And at this point, Courtney's now talking to the crowd, a little distracted. The bassist starts to talk. She, now realizing that her wishes were not fulfilled, walks over to the security guard and I, I kid you not, slaps him on the top of the head and grabs the flashlight out of his hand and says, what's wrong with you? He's right there. And she shined a flashlight directly into my face, which at, at first blinded me, I'm not going to lie. But as I moved my tearing eyes aside, I'm now looking directly into her face and she's beckoning me going, come here, come here, come here. And as I'm walking, I'm thinking again, I'm dead. I'm dead. This is, you know, this is my highway to heaven. I don't know how, but I got up to the very lip of what was now just a packed wall of people. And this security guard hops up onto the rail, grabs me, by the shoulders and pulls me over at least five rows of people. And I, I'm sure I kicked a lot of people on the way up. And at this point, I don't fucking care. Get out of my way. So I got dropped into this. Um, it's like the pit between the stage and, and the, the railing of the crowd. And the stage was probably almost, you know, six, seven feet high. Like it was, I had to put my hands up onto it and I got hoisted up. They didn't help me, by the way. Like, I had to, like, hoist myself up onto the stage by myself. It's like, um, you know, <laughs> you got a ladder or something. So as I got up and I stood up, like, my back was still to the crowd. And I couldn't, again, I can't even fathom that this is actually happening. And suddenly these two pairs of hands grabbed me by the chest and the back. And it was the security guard. And he sits me down by the base amp and says, if you stand up, you're, you're off, is pretty much all I could make out. And I said, no, 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 no problem, no problem. Like, I, I'm not moving a muscle because I don't want this to obviously get screwed up. And, and the girl beside me uh, is just trying to say, like, oh, my God, can you believe this? And I said, no, I can't. I can't believe this is happening. Now, technology problem number two. Uh, this is before everyone had cell phones and cameras, right? We had cameras, but again, because of, you know, the hurricane, we didn't bring a good one. We had those, like, you know those ones, it, they were disposable they were in a, like a cardboard box and they went ching, ching, ching every time you wanted to like switch to another, you know, another picture. The, the ones they used to put in those bowls and weddings in hoping that you would, you know, capture beautiful moments. But instead you just take pictures of like your genitals and bud or you, just me. Okay, we'll move on. Uh, I, we had one of those. So between the three of us, we brought this one camera to, you know, capture some moments. And uh, we did. And no, we didn't have cameras in those days. <laughs> And I'm thinking, dear God, somebody please take a picture because 
you know, this is never going to happen again. We don't have everybody and their mother taking pictures like we do now. This is like once in a lifetime, someone please God take the picture. Who has the camera? Who has the camera? And as I'm sitting there, I snake my hands down and I feel my pocket and I'm like, I have the camera. God damn it, I have the camera. Now this worked out because I have one picture, one picture from that moment. And it's a picture of Courtney Love from behind. And there's a girl standing next to her because she brought this girl to help her sing the last song. And, you know, there's something to say about the anticipation of seeing something like that. Because in reality, you know, there was about a week I had to wait until I actually saw if this shot worked out. And it did. And it's a little off frame and it's, you know, it's not the greatest lighting, but it's definitely, you know, it's a memory. It's a second of time and it's one that is like burned into my mind. Now you're probably thinking, is this the end of the story? Fuck no. So the song ends. They do Celebrity Skin as the last song. And my head is against the bass amp, just rattling from the sound. I can't even hear anything and I don't care. I remember I shook Melissa Oftemar, the bassist's hand, and she was wearing a tank top that had a Canadian flag on it. It was Canada Day. I forgot to mention that. It was Canada Day, July 1st, 1999. And I said, Melissa, you do Canada so proud. And she shook my hand and said, oh, thank you so much. She was a doll. Anyway, so the song ends and I'm so sad that, you know, I only got to be up here for one song. But, you know, this has been the, the, the highlight of my life so far. Um, but just wait. So she, Courtney Love, is talking to the crowd and she's singing and half chanting. I don't know what she was doing. But um, she had this... Uh, gimmick she would do. And I I don't really want to call it a gimmick, but it was something really cool where she would give away a guitar to someone in the crowd at the end of every show, usually women. She wanted to promote like women starting bands and, you know, held to the patriarchy and all that kind of stuff. And I, I was fascinated by this and I thought like, you know, that would be so cool. And she asked for a guitar and it was a cream colored Fender Squire and she's walking towards us. And I remember she smelled like a stripper. <laughs> and I mean that in the best possible way. She had like those body oils. And now she's coming close enough to me that I can, again, smell her and see her. And again, everything kind of goes white, like when you have a near-death experience. And all I remember is I didn't – I don't even think I looked her in the face. I just remember pink glitter and I remember looking at this guitar and I remember her sliding it into my lap. And she said, you are the first boy I've ever given a car to uh, – ever given a guitar to. So don't fucking sell it. And she laid it in my lap and walked towards stage right. This was a seismic shift in my life. I remember I looked down at this guitar and I looked up and the girl beside me went, oh my God, that is amazing. Oh my God. And I said, I know, don't touch it. Um, I was at a loss. I stood up. Like I was shell shocked. Like someone had punched me in the head and Melissa, the same basis. And again, she's from Montreal. She's Canadian. Shout out. Hey, uh, she went to work for the smashing pumpkins. More on that later. Uh, she said, Hey, and I turned around and they were standing in the wing and she said, well, smile. And she took my picture holding this guitar as if getting the guitar was enough. And beside her, Courtney Love was kind of like perched on her, on her shoulder and they waved goodbye and they walked away. And I'm just standing there trembling, trembling. So I did what anyone who 
thinks that they should be on a stage one day like Courtney Love would do. I walked to the lip and I held that guitar over my head and I said, yes, like I had just won WrestleMania and I had 15 to 20,000 people cheer for me. And that is pretty much the story. Now, a few things happened after. I looked down and I was just about to like jump down and like try and find my friends. And the security guard once again grabbed me by the arm and said, where are you going? And I said, my, my, my friends, I, I, was, I was babbling like an idiot. And he said, no, 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 you're staying up here. If you go down there, you're going to get jumped. We are going to take you out with security. And I was like, hell yeah, you are. So I was waiting and then, you know, the crowd dispersed. And all of a sudden I hear like, again, random screaming. So all these people, you know, my own friends come running down towards the front of the stage, just like hysterical. So we all had gotten separated during the show because of, you know, the darkness and, you know, just the crowd. Um, and then even people from like my school, from Brock, people I didn't even know were there, were all running down going like, oh my God, like it was like the most unbelievable thing they'd ever seen. Um, I remember I got taken out with my brother and my friend in a golf cart and we drove past all these people and I just felt like, you know, the, 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 the bell of the, the, the star, you know, people were pointing at me and they were like, that's the guy. And I was just like, yes, tis I, the one with the guitar. And, you know, we got to our car and I was driving home and I had to call my parents and they woke up and they thought, of course, we were like, you know, on fire in a ditch somewhere. And I said, no, even better. We got the guitar and they couldn't believe it. Um, I, 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 to this day, don't believe it. And if, you know, you think I'm lying, well, come to my house. There's a cream colored Fender Squire with three little heart stickers standing in the corner of my room. Now, people always ask me, did she sign it? No. And I'll tell you why. If she signs it, people will sell it. So she wanted you to play the guitar. Now, I learned the basic three punk rock chords. That was about it. I wasn't very good at it. But this guitar did something much, much more than spur a music career for me. This was a moment in my life where I really felt at times like I, I didn't know if I could go on. And I couldn't, you know, back then... I didn't even realize how bad it was for me mentally. And I kept a journal somewhat back in those days. And I looked through it. I found it the other day. And I mean, now we're going on. This is probably 20 years. And it shocked me how depressed I was. It shocked me how grim and dark everything was. And I remember, and this is going to sound like really like, oh, please, that never happened. But I wrote literally almost a year before this happened in 1998 that I wanted to be someone to get her guitar. I wanted to be a boy that got her guitar. She never gave it to boys. And I have it in writing and it's dated. You don't believe me, Brian, but I actually wrote that. So maybe, again, there is something to writing and manifesting. It maybe takes a while, but whatever. Um, the, the importance of this is not only is it a really cool story. I mean, it really is. I mean, you know, lover or hater, for a rock star to do that is, is pretty badass. And again, it, it, it pointed me in a certain direction in that I was feeling like the lowest of the low, like my life was just going to be a series of quiet desperations that I was never going to realize my true self. But in that moment, I thought to myself, you know, Courtney Love picked me out of a crowd of 15,000 people and decided I was cute enough and cool enough to give a very expensive guitar to. And I never forget that, even when I feel very low, that, you know, maybe, maybe I'm okay. You know, maybe... 
maybe everything's going to work out. So after all this, of course, I gained some notoriety. I was interviewed on uh, 102.1 The Edge, and all of this I have in my archives. However, it is on cassette tape, and I do not have anything anymore to play a cassette tape on because I was dying to put this into this story because you can hear her talking to me on this tape. It's a bootleg of the show, but it's, a, it's an audio bootleg. It's the only bootleg I ever found because, like I said, there was no videotape of this show because everybody left because of the hurricane rain. So I have no video proof of any of this, but again, I don't really care. I was there and I know. Uh, I'm going to post the photo of Courtney that I took along with uh, the link for this post uh, so you'll see it. Well, you'll, you've already seen it because you clicked on this, hopefully. But uh, a few things happened after that. Um, you know, this gave me the shot in the arm that I needed that maybe my life was heading in a certain direction and maybe my life was important and, you know, I had important things to do. Um, to loop this way back around, all right, it brought me back to, you know, years later when I wanted to start comedy, you know, do I have what it takes? Am I special? Am I, you know, and I thought, well, you know, uh, one celebrity thinks so. So why not roll the dice? You're never too old to do anything. So as an epilogue to this, I am sitting during the pandemic in my room making, I believe, another episode of this podcast, one of the earlier ones, and I'm just farting around and I'm playing YouTube videos and I actually play um, a show of Holes from that tour and there was an interview footage with the, with the band and, you know, I had watched all this footage after and I thought, you know, are they ever going to mention me? You know, it's so stupid. I already got the guitar. I got all these accolades. Like, what do I care? But I just wondered, you know, did she ever think about that after, you know, was I really the only boy? Was, you know, who knows? So I'm sitting listening to this interview and I've never seen it. So it was a concert, but in, in between they had this interview with the band that I'd never seen. So I was like half listening and the screen's to my side and I'm still focusing on what I'm doing. And I'm going to play you a part of this interview and you're going to see why I suddenly turned my head around. So we had this guitar and I basically like bugged Fender to let me give a bunch to halfway houses, juvenile halls, a lot of juvenile halls I'd been in when I was a child, um, stuff like that. And I just started giving them away, not just to girls though. And how I pick is retarded because I don't know. It's like the um, Sacramento, I think the first time was Sacramento because I threw it and then people got hurt fighting for it. So that was, couldn't do that. So um, the other night I picked totally the right person. Do you remember that girl I picked? Totally disenfranchised, but like you could tell like there was genius mm -hmm. in here. And then one night I picked a boy, you know, who was like completely a minority in his town. It was really obvious. And, and I die. I am the minority in my town. So what she means is she, clearly I was gay. So she could see it radiating from a stage. But I, I couldn't believe that after all this time, you know, she actually remembered that. And that's just the icing on the cake. So I live again. So I wanted to do this podcast and this story. Uh, it's a bit self-indulgent, I know, but there's a point to it. You know, uh, this was, you know, not everyone gets a chance to have a rockstar moment like this. And I've had others since then. I met Elton John. It's, it's a whole story. Anyway, I'm not going to toot my horn anymore. But, uh, you know, it takes one person to change your life. And again, I've had many people change my life. But, you know, when somebody looks out at you and says, no, not only are you awesome, but I'm going to give you a really expensive piece of equipment to motivate you to be awesome. Uh, it was just like, you know, the, the kick in the pants and the guardian angel that I needed. And so 
I, I attribute that as one of the pivotal moments in, in my, my life. And I leave you with the idea that, you know, really life is yours. You can do anything you want. I never thought that half the things that have happened to me have happened to me. And, you know, if you can imagine it, you can, you can have it. And when I feel sad or I feel down, I just go and I hug my guitar and I remember that, you know, a rock star thinks I'm cool. So that is my story. Um, a little long-winded, but again, I'm a storyteller. I like to, you know, build suspense and I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you got something out of it. So I was the boy with the most cake that night and I have been ever since. Ah, love you, Courtney. And that's my really cool story about Courtney Love and Hole. Um, special thanks to Courtney Love and Hole for giving me the guitar, which I still have. And uh, no, I never really got a chance to ever meet her in my lifetime, and maybe I still will. Maybe she'll still remember. Who knows? Um, special thanks to all of you for listening. And uh, no, On the PA is produced and performed by Patrick Alexander. That's me, of course. And uh, tune in next week because I have some really big news and I have a really special guest. Uh, I'm doing a crossover. Oh, yeah. Crossover, baby. Two podcasts, one in explosive night. And yes, it involves Dungeons and Dragons. So until next time, I'm Patrick Alexander saying punk rock, Satan, I love whole, and uh, there's only us left now. <laughs> <laughs>